Today our sermon text from the, comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 24 and read all the way through the end of the chapter, which happens in verse 34. Uh, if you're able, I'd ask you to rise once again for the hearing of God's holy word, which we read in Jesus' name. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Heavenly Father, we thank you again for today, and we thank you for your word. Lord God, your word is truth, and we pray that you would sanctify us by your truth. God, today in this passage from Matthew 6, I pray that you would show us our sinfulness and need for a Savior. Once again, point us to Christ and strengthen our faith in him. By your word, Lord, make us ready for your service, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in the 11th book of Ovid's Metamorphoses, he tells the story of a fictional king of Phrygia by the name of Midas. Midas reunited someone named Silenus with his foster son, who was the Roman god Bacchus. Bacchus was the god of wine and fertility. He was kind of the equivalent to the Greek god Dionysus. Bacchus was so happy to be reunited with Silenus in this in this story that he granted a wish to King Midas. And the wish that King Midas made was this, cause whatsoever I shall touch to change at once to yellow gold. As Midas left with his gift, he immediately put his new powers to the test. He started by grabbing the branch off of a tree which turned to gold in his hand. He bent down and picked up stones and clods of dirt, all of them turning to gold. He plucked ripe grain, which turned to gold, as did an apple, and even a giant door. When Midas tried to wash his hands, the water turned into liquid gold. Midas was thrilled. He was rejoicing in his great wealth and prosperity, and so he had his servant set for him a great feast filled with good foods. But to Midas' dismay, when he reached out to grab food to eat, it turned to gold in his hand, When he used his golden fork to bring something to his mouth, as soon as it touched his teeth, it turned into gold, and even his wine 
turned to liquid gold as he tried to drink it. After a time, the hunger began to set in, and King Midas realized how great a mistake he had made. Midas confessed his foolishness, and the Roman god Bacchus had mercy on him. He told Midas that if he traveled to Sardis and found the source of the river that runs past it and washed in the headwaters of that stream, he would be freed from the gift he had been given, which had turned into a curse. Midas did so and was freed. Midas got the thing that he thought he wanted the most in life, incredible wealth. But King Midas's greed just about killed him. And he's not the only one in this world that struggles with greed. Martin Luther, in his sermon on this text in 1534, said this, Our Lord especially loathes greed, for there is no other vice that contravenes the gospel more and does more harm to the Christian than does greed. And yet, it is so common that the whole world is literally engulfed by it. Day and night, everybody's greatest concern is how to make a living, and this stimulated greed to the point where no one is content with what God provides or bestows. Everybody wants more and craves moving up the ladder. Whomever God is blessed with a beautiful home covets owning a mansion. And if he has a mansion, then he wants a villa with expansive grounds, and so he is never satisfied. Everyone wants to get on better and have more. As Jesus opens Our sermon text today, he says that no one can serve two masters. He will either love one and despise the other, or he will be devoted to one and hate the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can only have one Lord in your life, and it can either be God or money. There is no serving both. And with some people, it's easy to see that money and material things have become their God. You can see it in their actions and how they're the type of people that are always chasing after that next dollar, always striving to have the newest and best and biggest things, always needing that new smartphone or new model of car or new outdoor toy, that new bit of smart technology or a bigger home. Jesus' words serve them as a very stern warning. They cannot have two masters. You can't serve both the Lord and the almighty dollar. You can only worship one of them. And the worship of one of them leads to life eternal, while the worship of the other leads to damnation. But struggling with greed and serving money doesn't just look like that unending strive toward more and bigger and better and shinier things. Jesus explains that as he continues on here in Matthew chapter 6 by saying, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, if I'm being honest, there are two things I don't really like about what Jesus has to say in that verse. The first thing is that somehow Jesus figured out that even though I might not always be chasing money and more, bigger, better things, that I still struggle with greed and value material things too highly in my life. The second thing I'm not a huge fan of in what Jesus has to say is that he called out my sin, but just knowing I'm a sinner doesn't make my anxiety about life go away. 
It doesn't make me stop worrying about life. In fact, knowing that my anxiety about material things is actually a symptom that my heart is in the wrong place, it causes me more anxiety. You see, it causes the opposite effect that I would like it to have. Thankfully, Jesus continues. As he goes on in Matthew 6, he gives us two examples. The first is the birds of the air. He points out that they don't sow or reap, they don't tend their fields, they don't store up things in barns for a rainy day, and yet the Lord provides for them. They have all they need to eat. And if God provides their need of food, then we can trust that he will provide our need for food as well. Jesus says, aren't the birds more valuable, or aren't you more valuable than the birds? And the answer is, of course we are. But instead, <clears throat> I'm sorry, human beings are, are not just another animal that God has made. We aren't just another part of God's creation, but instead we are the crowning jewel of everything God has created. We're the one creation where God stopped and he slowed down and he got his hands dirty. He used the soil of the earth to form mankind. He took the time to breathe his own breath into our lungs, that breath of life. And so, of course, mankind is more valuable than the birds of the air. And since God cares for them, we can trust that he cares for us as well. If he feeds the birds, he will feed us. Secondly, Jesus gives us the example of the lilies of the field. He says they are dressed even more finely than Solomon in his glory. And if God cares for the flowers of the field, won't he care for us as well? Again, the obvious answer is, is yes. God cares for us more than the flowers. They're here today and gone tomorrow, burned up in the heat, while every human being that you have ever met is created to be eternal. We've been created to live forever. And God desires that, that we would live forever in the new heavens and new earth with him and not in judgment because of our sin. If God cares enough to clothe the flowers of the field, he will clothe us also. Obviously, this is not a promise that our wildest dreams will come true. If we would just trust God enough, we would get everything we would want. God promises to provide for our needs, but doesn't really take our wish list into account. I mean, the whole idea of God being sort of like a cosmic vending machine, where if we just put in the right combination of prayer and faith and good works, then it's going to result in us getting the nice things we want in this life, that whole idea is exactly what Jesus is teaching against in this passage. Jesus said we can't serve both God and money at the same time. And if you're trying to serve God so that he will give you money, you aren't really serving God at all. You're worshiping money and material things and trying to use a God as a means to an end. God has promised to provide for us, and he has promised to do so because he cares for us. That doesn't mean there won't be difficult times, that we won't have lean times in this life. It doesn't mean that there won't be times where we might wonder where that next meal is going to come from. But God does promise to provide. And if we begin to question how we could possibly provide for our physical needs, we should look to the more important things he has promised and provided already. You see, in Christ, God has provided for the greatest needs that we have. Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not. 
He died the death that we deserve to die, bearing our sins, and rose again, conquering sin, death, and the grave. By grace and through faith, all that Christ accomplished belongs to us. His perfect life becomes our own, credited to us as if we had lived it ourselves. Our sin is gone. It is taken from us already and judged in Christ. It is removed from us as far as the east is from the west. We have been washed even whiter than snow. And because Christ rose from the grave, we too will rise to new and eternal life in paradise with our God and King. You see, our greatest need has been taken care of. And to make it even better, there's nothing that we could have done to atone for our sins. While we were hopeless, Christ did it all. And now we have a perfect hope that rests on God and his promises. You see, if God can be trusted to take care of our greatest needs and provide for us when we were entirely powerless to help ourselves, how much more can he be trusted to take care of our earthly needs as well? So in Christ, we can hear Jesus' words, do not be anxious about your life, as a wonderful promise. A promise that we have a God who cares. We have a God who provides and a God who will continue to do so. While hearing that we are sinners doesn't make our anxiety over this life go away, it doesn't take away our worry about what we will eat or drink or how we will clothe ourselves or pay the bills. But hearing that we have a God that loved us so much that he provided his greatest, our greatest need by sacrificing his one and only son so that we would be saved, that can offer us hope. That can truly deliver peace. Knowing that the same God that provided for our greatest need has promised to take care of the lesser details of our lives. So rest in the big promise of God. Rest knowing that your sins are forgiven, that you are his, that eternal life belongs to you in Christ. And trust God in the smaller details of life as well. Know that you are more valuable to him than you can ever know or understand. That he truly cares and he will provide. And today he provides again for us at his table. As we prepare now to come to the Lord's Supper, come confessing your worry about this life. Come confessing your sin. Come confessing every time you've chased after money and material things instead of chasing after God. And know that at the table, God offers to forgive, to cleanse, and to redeem. Come trusting that Christ is enough even for you and even for your sin, so that you can go in peace, trusting in the promises of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, and for the wonderful promise that you care for us. Even sinners like us who far too often chase after material things rather than chasing after you. Far too often we worry and stress about this life when you have promised to take care of us. Help us to hear your promises and trust in them and rest in them. And Lord, give us the grace to point others to you as well. So that they can rest from their striving, rest from their worry, and be at peace. Pray these things in your holy name. Amen.